The scripture reading this morning is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to our fathers, the word of the Lord. We should have sung it, right? The Magnificat. This great song of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, the thing is, I believe I was born to sing. I think I was made for, for bellowing, <laughs> warbling, chortling, <laughs> crooning, humming, cantillating, is that a word? Singing, if you will. And I do. Sometimes, however, mostly in select venues do I sing. Mostly when I'm out of earshot of others. My worst fear is being caught with a lapel mic, still hot, <laughs> when we come to times of singing together on Sunday mornings. In fact, last week I panicked after communion, and I shut it all down because I can do that on my own. I shut it all down thinking they wouldn't catch it back there on the board, and I wanted to sing after communion. Poor people, poor guys back there in the sound booth, the whole thing went dark on them and they thought they'd lost the board. I think, Bob, that's what you said to me after the service. I thought we lost it all. <laughs> no, it was just my desire to sing. And I want to make sure you didn't hear me. <laughs> you do it too, right? Fess up to this, right? Mostly you guys. So just to get a, a gauge of things this morning, how many of you sing along in the car radio? Yeah? Come on, you know you do it. Come on. I see you at stoplights. Doing 70, maybe heading south on 15, you clear a point of the mountain, set the cruise control, jingle bell rock comes on the radio. You know you're there. You're singing. You cut loose. You know, it's supposed to be good for us. 
singing. I've read that it improves our health, it boosts our immune system, it helps our lung capacity, it can even decrease blood pressure and increase confidence and mood. It can be good for us to open up and sing. Of course, our singer today was not so concerned about her health. Although there were some strange things beginning to happen to her physically, Advent, it may be the one place where we Protestants think somewhat intently about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, she's the one person in all of history who knew Jesus every day of his life from the cradle there in Bethlehem all the way to the cross outside Jerusalem. She was there. Peter Gomes, who taught at Harvard Divinity School, started out as a Roman Catholic priest, but ended up as an American Baptist preacher, if that's even possible. (laughs) But he did. So he used to say that Protestants, they don't know what to do with Mary because we think she's a Catholic. (laughs) So we mostly ignore her. Oh, she shows up in our our crushes on our mantles or our tables in our homes or right outside the sanctuary. There she is. And she's on a lot of Christmas cards. But for the rest of the year, we don't mention her very much. Peter Gomes, he used to tell the story about the dean of, uh, of St. Paul's Anglican Cathedral in London, who, having died and gone to heaven, was welcomed by Jesus. And Jesus said, well, welcome to heaven, dean. I know you've met my father, but I don't believe you know my mother. <laughs> Roman Catholics, they have a whole theology around Mary. They believe that Mary was conceived immaculately, as was Jesus, lived without sin, that her virginity was perpetual, that she never never died, but was assumed bodily into heaven. Protestants simply don't know what to make of all of that. Protestants believe that Mary had other children, that Jesus had brothers and sisters. But mostly we tend to ignore the Holy Family once we get past Christmas. But then this Sunday rolls around, this one Sunday year, we light this candle of joy, and perhaps we think about Mary. And perhaps we realize that we may be missing something important in our faith, in our hearts, if we do not pay attention to her and acknowledge her central role in this narrative, the story that has enveloped us and pulled us in. God's choice of Mary, it's a provocative choice. Precisely, I think, because it was so unlikely. In her time, and in that place, Mary was nothing. Young, underage, a girl, really. A young woman in a culture that regarded young women as the property of their fathers, who essentially sold them off to the highest bidder, then they became the property of their husbands. 
who could divorce them the moment they had grown tired of them. So poor and young, vulnerable, probably barely literate, difficult to imagine a more likely prospect to join God in the redemption of the world. Think about what all that says about our God in choosing her. Theologians call it the scandal of particularity. This understanding that it, oft, that it offends our reasoning that the omnipotent, the omniscient, you know, great creator of the universe, the king of all things, of all human history, that the, the Son of God would be born in this way, not in a, a royal palace, not to a pharaoh or the Roman emperor or even King Herod the Great, but born, no, into this peasant family, a, a poor young girl. It's a preposterous idea. Ironic, I think, that this week, watching the news, one of the mornings this week, Time Magazine announced its person of the year, a 16-year-old girl from Sweden, Greta Thunberg, person of the year, all for her revolutionary call to the world to pay more attention to the climate. And I have to admit to a, a moment of thinking as we watched that on the news the other morning, what could she possibly know? 16? I mean, has she passed sophomore biology yet? <laughs> I mean, what does she know about the climate? She's just a girl. Such was the world long ago. As it awaited a savior, it all appeared so improbable. She was so young, the mother who would bear our savior. She carried him in her womb all those long months. She gave birth to him in the same way every human being comes into the world with labor, pain, blood, a first breath, a first cry. She nursed him and cradled him and bathed him and sang songs to him. She showed him how to use a cup, how to use a spoon and took his hand when he, he took his first steps. She made sure his hair was smoothed down when they went to the synagogue and, you know, that part that always sticks up. She licked her hand and she made sure it stayed down on that Sunday or Saturday as it was. <laughs> Mary gave him that look. You know the look, you moms. Do they take you aside like in Lama's class <laughs> and teach you that look? You know, how to raise your eyebrows just right and squint real hard and squint even more. Make sure that we kids, when we're little ones, we know what you mean from 50 paces. But it all started with a song. A song that for the most part just dangled out in front of her, in front of all that was going to come, starts with the angel Gabriel coming to her. The contemporary artist uh, Henry Asawa Tanner, he depicts this moment not in startling 
brightness, but in very quiet, subdued hues in this painting, which we can hardly even see in the sanctuary. But Gabriel comes simply as a column of light in this painting. Be not afraid. You will deliver a child, the Son of the Most High. He will be great. Of his kingdom there will be no end. Oh, Mary, she's no intellectual slouch. She's young, but there's a, there's a wisdom to her. She ponders all these things in her heart. She's a thinker as well as a feeler. So she asked Gabriel, well, how can this be? I'm young. I'm yet still a virgin. That column of light, nothing is impossible with God. She knew from the start it was going to be a faith thing. That she would be moving into uncharted waters here. This was beyond anything she had even conceived or thought of. And she pondered it all. And she said, here I am. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. It's the first song that she sang, really, long before Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> Let it be. Let it be to me according to how you are laying it out, Lord. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Wonder starts there, doesn't it? That spiritual understanding, wondering what does God have for us. It starts here with this idea of letting it be. I love this quote that Mary is who we are. She's a person of faith who does not always understand, but who seeks to put her trust in God. She is one who is blessed not because she sins less or has keener insights into the things of God. She is instead blessed as we are because she is called by God to participate in the work of God. To call Mary blessed is to recognize the blessedness of ordinary people who are called to participate in that which is extraordinary. So she just sang. She sang of what God had as good as done, a savior for the world to be given through her tender womb. Let it be. The promise is as good as the reality for young Mary. With sudden insight, she realizes that she is to be involved in, in some great movement of God toward his beloved creation, that she is being engaged by God. And it's almost too much to behold, yet she allows it. She yields her life and sings of the wonder of God. Some years ago, the church I pastored in Northern California, one Christmas, it was, we were getting ready for that annual pageant drama as we are here. <clears throat> Shepherds and wise men, they were being selected, and sheep and Everybody, they were angels, they were getting their costumes, and 
Things were being divvied up. But the central roles of the Holy Family were yet to be decided. They were going unfilled. It was becoming something of a controversy in the back rooms of the church. Now there was in those days a certain young woman, a teen who had been showing up to youth group on Wednesday nights. She was 15. And all that fall, summer and fall, she was with child. And when it came time for the Christmas program, by then she had given birth to a little boy. And the congregation had gracefully thrown her a baby shower and lavished her with gifts. The ladies' auxiliary came forward and and just enveloped her. But now the decision was whether it would be appropriate to ask her and her newborn child to play Mary and the baby Jesus on a Sunday morning in worship. And what of Joseph? Should we ask her boyfriend to come to church? Put on a robe of some kind and stand before us all quietly, standing with this young mother and child? It was discussed in meetings and out in the parking lot. You know how church is. (laughs) The real decisions. What kind of an example would this be to all those young shepherds and angels and lambs that would gather there at that nativity? And so we pondered and we stewed and we finally came to some kind of a a decision and we said, let it be, let it be. I remember watching that morning this nativity scene begin to unfold. The sanctuary was just stone quiet as this vulnerable young mother came forward with her own child. Emotion was real for all of us. You could see people were were saying to each other, that must be what it was really like. Just like that. And then Joseph, the boyfriend, came in and, and stood there with her, and it's like, whoa, they're not married, are they? It must have been like that. Cheeks were wet. Everybody was a little uncertain about it all, but we thought we might be doing the right thing here. I remember wondering if this pimple-faced couple had any idea that God was already moving in their lives, that God was way out in front of them. I wondered if they had a sense of wonder about it all, an expectancy, an anticipation, or, or just a trust that all that was in front of them was okay. So much of life, so much of faith requires a, a soulful trust, doesn't it? A pondering resolve to let it be. There's within us a song that believes and, and holds that God is right there with us and out in front of us as well. So for Mary, it was a singing beyond her years. (laughs) My soul magnifies the Lord and my soul rejoices in God my Savior, she said. The Magnificat. Eugene Peterson rephrases those famous words, takes the Greek and the Latin, and he, he, he puts them 
like this. He says, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. Her song was a lot like all those old prophetic songs, like Isaiah's songs. These songs that said the strangest things are going to happen at the coming of the Lord. Notice that Mary's song is not praising God that she's been chosen for this famous role. No, it's more about humility. She's humbled. She's full of wonder that God is setting out to change the world through this child that she would bear. Here it is again. My soul magnifies the Lord, she's saying. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servants. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the holy. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. What a strange song to sing. She had such hope for this child she would bear. She was moved to give voice to a a whole new idea that the child in her womb would do important things, would envision a new world, a new way of being in the world. She understood that her son would would grow to challenge the conventional, establish a, a new order of things, that he will side with outsiders, he would feed those who were hungry, he would welcome those who were outcasts. And all in this process, he would establish a kind of alternative world to the way things are in this world. Hungry would be fed, oppressed would be freed, marginalized would be welcomed and affirmed, and there would be justice. 16 years old, maybe? How does she do that? It's a song she sang of revolution. Sings of a new hope, of, a, of how Jesus would turn this world upside down. You know, through the centuries, this song has become radical in the world's eyes. Back before India won its independence over British rule, Archbishop William Temple instructed his missionaries when they traveled to India to do everything, but don't sing this song because you'll stir the people up too much. At times, it's been actually illegal to read these words in public of what this child would bring to bear in the world. Too much justice. Too much of people living boldly for their God. We wouldn't want any of that. I was texting my daughter, Laura, this week. She's due to give birth this Wednesday to her fourth child, another girl, she tells me. Probably the most incredible child that will be born this week, I should add. And her name will be Kate, they've let us know, and she will lead her people. Well, (laughs) but she will be amazing, and she will be loved, we know that much. Laura, my daughter, though, in these days of waiting for this big day, she said that she is more than ready to give birth after nearly nine months. Bring it on, she said. Bring it on. Bring on this new reality of a a new child and all that that will mean as this one's added to the mix of the other three. 
bring it on, she said. You know, I admire her courage to sing such a song of boldness and courage and readiness. She's got this sense of wonder about her life and the life of this child. It's as if God is expanding her world, and she wants to be ready for that. And I think that's what Mary's pregnancy, her expectancy, is all about for us. Are you ready to have your world enlarged? Are you ready to have your world reversed or turned upside down? It's a wonder, isn't it? Almighty God, there lying in a manger, the world would never be the same again. God incarnate in the flesh at the mall. (laughs) That was a tie back to it before. Anyway. (laughs) I love these lines I came across this week. There must always, there must be always remaining in every person's life some place for the singing of angels. Some place for that which is breathlessly beautiful. The commonplace is shot through now with new glory. Old burdens become lighter. Deep and ancient wounds lose much of their old, old hurting. A crown is placed over our heads that for the rest of our lives we are trying to grow tall enough to wear. Despite all the crassness of life, despite all the hardness of life, despite all the harsh discords of life, life is saved singing of angels. I wonder what the song you're singing is as we near Christmas. Is it that expansive, expectant song of Mary? Maybe we should make room at the center of our faith for Mary. She comes alive with hope and courage and boldness and strength but her song's not about her. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says. She carried this conviction that her child would expand the glory of God, that this child born of the Spirit would birth the hope of God in each of us. Augustine would one day proclaim that Mary conceived Christ in her heart before she ever conceived him in her womb opening the way for us all to conceive him as well, to let him be born into our lives. Hard to ignore Mary. She's right there at the center of it all. And she has this song that we need, the song of wonder, the song that goes out in front of us in our lives with all of its uncertainty and promise, a song to be sung into the future. I heard some others singing this week. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Something like that. I'll sing it when the mic's off. But it's that season of the year when we are full of wonder. Let me encourage us to sing, to hum, cantillate, warble, whatever it is that you do, do it. Get that song out in front of you. 
dance the song of our Savior God. Amen. Let's pray together. Our God, we give thanks for this humble servant you selected. This woman who stands at the center of history as the one you chose to bring your own son into the world that we might through him be redeemed and set free. Might be set onto a new course, given new life. Thank you for her obedience for her faith in you to simply say let it be let it be to me according to your word and then to dance to dance the song of our Savior God may it be so for us as well in Christ we pray Amen